Well, good morning. My name is Chad Myers, and I'm the Adult Discipleship Director. Before we dive in, though, could we, we haven't done this normally, could we bring out that, that cute little singer that was out here? Yeah, bring her on out. Some of y'all are like, bro, who that? Well, that'd be mine. <laughs> this is my wife, Courtney Ann. We haven't got to stand on this stage with you, but um, yeah. Her birthday's tomorrow, and so I said, hey, get away from your normal activities. Get a break from being mom and, you know, everything that you do. Come here take a break, sing, I'll treat you. And so she's been with me and what a a special gift. So love you. Yeah, I know. Starting off the sermon right. We starting it off right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, if she's here to, hey, who's taking care of the kids? Just kidding. Shout out to my parents who uh, came in uh, to Missouri from Texas to take care of them. Welcome to those of you in the room. We are so glad you're here, Packed House 1045. Welcome to those of you joining us online, wherever you may be, a different state. You may be traveling. You may be at the beach or the mountains. Uh, I know some people, I was told, are joining us from the DR and from Canada. So shout out to you and welcome wherever you're joining us. We're so thankful you're tuning in. Obviously, God is touching you through Mount Horeb, and we're excited about that. And wherever you are, God is with you. God is with you. God is with us in this room. Whatever lightness we bring, whatever heaviness we bring, God meets us here and has something special to say to us. We are wrapping up this series, Moving Beyond Me. Trevor kicked us off, just did a killer job. It's like the song we just sang. You got to die to self and let Christ live through you. So we're talking about starving the ego, putting that thing to death and letting the light of Christ shine through us. And then I talked about the unconditional love of God that God loves you and there is nothing else and live in and from that love. And then last week, Jeff helped us move beyond me by talking, just did an incredible job in a sermon, talking about how we are to love and serve others. That when we see ourselves as God sees us, we can start to see others as God sees them and we offer them compassion and mercy. And today, I would like to wrap us up by talking about moving from a me mindset to a we mindset. And to that end, let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we submit to your text. We humble ourselves before your word and in your presence. God, you know everything that is going on in our lives, our hearts, our minds. We pray that you would give us grace to be active listeners, attentive listeners to you and that we would know your voice when we hear it this morning. Strengthen us, encourage us, challenge us, and may we be better for it. In Christ's name, amen. John Allen was an architect, and on the Stirling Castle in Scotland, a very famous castle, he liked to put his imprint on things. And so he put this inscription on the Stirling Castle, 19th century, And if you notice, he's got nine different squares, and each square represents a different digit or a different number. It's called a a sterling stone. Some people call it a sterling stone. So if you start with the top left, that's the hand, so it represents five. And then moving straight across, it's Roman numeral 10 or X for 10, and then the triangle represents three. So five plus 10 plus three is 18. Excellent. Now, The unique thing about this is if you, let's say you start in the middle top, 
where the Roman numeral is with 10, and then you go down. It's a hexagon that represents six, and then you go down, and there's just two lines. that represents two, and 10 plus six plus two is 18. And the way he created this was that any way you went across, down, right to left, or diagonal, you would get the number 18. And there's a quote at the top. It's attributed to Shakespeare. I don't think anyone has really found where Shakespeare said it, but it sounds Shakespearean, so might as well be. And it's this. Whate'er thou art, act well thy part. Whatever thou art, act well thy part. Whoever you are, wherever you've been planted, whatever you bring to the table, be a responsible, engaged participant with your gifts And play your part. And when you play your part, then we get to play our part. And the team is healthier because the individual is healthier. You see? And if you take one of those away, the hand, the hexagon, the Roman numeral, take one of those away, the whole thing falls apart. So today we're going to be talking about moving beyond a me mindset to a we mindset and you may be here, and this is your first time in church, or your first time in church for in a long time, or you may be here and you're really struggled with your faith or, faith or checking out Jesus. You don't struggle with your faith. That's just me. You struggle with your faith, or you're checking out Jesus. We're super glad you're here. And I'm going to talk about some in-house stuff, but I also believe that there will be some helpful principles for you, no matter where you are on your faith journey. 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and this church struggled. They had so many struggles, some strong dysfunctions, brokenness in their leadership, brokenness in their community. He actually wrote them four times. Scholars believe that we have four letters to the Corinthians, or Paul wrote four letters to the Corinthians. We only have two. We have number two and number four, but because we only have two, we call them number one and number two, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It was a church so filled with challenges that Paul had to write them four times. You're still not getting it. No, no, no. You're still not getting it. I'm going to write you again. I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. And in 1 Corinthians 12, they are, he's talking about spiritual gifts, and they're elevating the self over the community, and he's got to help them understand what happens when you do that. And he gives the analogy of the body. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now, remember, he's, he's using the body as an analogy for the body of Christ also. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Why our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern, or other translations say equal care that we should have tender care for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored or celebrated, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Paul uses the analogy of the physical body to show us how community works 
that we are, no one is on an island, and there is no such thing in the Bible as me and Jesus. It's just not there. It's we and Jesus. So whenever we read the Bible and we see the word you, like Y-O-U, most of the time it's not singular, it's plural. I've said this before, God's a good Southerner, it's y'all. Okay, it's just y'all. So when you read the New Testament and you see that word you, I would really encourage you to stop thinking of, oh, he's talking to me, and no, he's talking to we. He's talking to us. Those are mostly y'alls. And he's saying to the church in Corinth, because they've been really happy with their own spiritual gifts, and he's basically saying this, spiritual gifts do not equal spiritual maturity. Just because, you know, you have the gift of prophecy or healing or prayer or giving or preaching or teaching or whatever it is does not automatically make you a spiritually mature person. And they were becoming very happy and proud with their spiritual gifts and look what a great teacher I am and look how I can do this. And they were elevating self over the community. And Paul has to say, guys, you're a body. How do you not understand this? If your foot is hurt, the parts of the body that are not hurt don't think, well, I feel pretty great. No, they can only focus on, well, we've got to nurse that foot back to health so we can be a body again. And the body takes care of each other. And the church in Corinth had some really strong me mindsets. And we can have me mindsets today as well. I have me mindsets. I figure if we're going to call people out, you have to start with yourself. That's right. That's the only healthy thing to do. So I had a me mindset pop up this week, and I was like, oh. I was in sermon prep, and Monday I had prayed through and wrote down a bunch of notes and a bunch of research and texts and all these potential illustrations, and I come to sermon prep. I was joining via Zoom, and I'm like, oh, here's all my stuff, and I was I was. I was like, man, I did a good job. This is good work, right? I was a little proud of myself. I was like, yeah, this is really well done. So I go through my spiel. I say what I'm talking about. And I, I finish and I think, yeah, they're probably going to say that was really good. Wow, woo, blew my mind. And all of a sudden, Pastor Jeff Kersey says, so, okay, Chad, good stuff. But, the but, can you tell me, like, what is the point? I'm like, scourge. Right, and I, I, I pause a second, and, and I get like anybody, when your ego gets stepped on, I get like more chins than normal. I'm like, what? What's the point? What's the point? And I'm like, Do I? yeah, yeah, I go through it again. It's, well, I think it's this and this. I kind of backpedal, it's this and this. And then all of a sudden, Grace Marie, she jumps in. She's like, well, yeah, you know, because when we, when we were setting up this series, we were trying to go here, and this is the direction we were trying to go for this week, and all of a sudden, my ego gets stepped on again, and I'm like, oh. And I feel like everybody feels when you get feedback that you didn't ask for. <laughs> Your feelings get hurt. And I thought, this was, this was a really good sermon. And all of a sudden, it started to dawn on me as I'm getting this feedback that is stepping on my ego that I had been praying for several days up until that time. God, show me where, my, where I need to grow. God, show me where I really need to grow. Don't pray that prayer. God, show me where I need to grow. And all of a sudden... I start to experience this me mindset coming out, this ego humiliation, as some people say. So I stepped back, and I thought, Chad, that's just ego, man. That's just you trying to function by yourself. And so I paused, put ego to death. I had to, I had to wait till after the Zoom call, too. I had to wait. I had to process some things, and to wait, had to receive it, and I thought, you know what? I'm really glad they gave me that feedback because this message is a whole lot better because they gave me that feedback, and so I received it, 
and I move forward. But we all have me mindsets that we continually have to fight and have to be aware of and keep in check. Some of us, some of us are me mindsets, the Lone Ranger. It's the Lone Ranger. Like, I'm going to take on all the bad guys by myself. I don't need any help. I got my, my six shooter with my silver bullets and my white cowboy suit and my black mask and my white horse and my little sidekick here and he does everything I say and we're going to take on everything. I don't need any help. I'm a sharpshooter. I'm an expert. I'm a survivor. It's me against the world. For some of y'all, the Lone Ranger references may be dated. You're like, who's, who's the Lone Ranger? Well, maybe, maybe then it's a little bit like Kevin Costner on that show that Jeff referenced a little while ago on Paramount. You know, a little bit like I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps, it's me against everybody, and I will take on the burden of the world by myself. Maybe your me mindset is a lone ranger, or maybe it's a consumer. Maybe it's a consumer. Consumer mindset. A consumer mindset says something like this. I am here to receive. And the challenge with that is there's truth in that is that when we are the body of Christ, we do receive. We receive grace, we receive joy, we come and participate in corporate worship, and we receive God's strength as we go out. So there is this process of receiving, but it's not only receiving. And the consumer mindset is something like this. As long as this product continues to satisfy, then I will stick around. But as soon as this product does not satisfy, then I might shop another store. That's a consumer mindset. Or maybe we have a fan mindset. A fan mindset. Who doesn't like a fan? A fan is like, hey, I'm all in. I love this team. This team is the best team. Like, I'm going to get a, a jersey. I'm going to get a t-shirt. I'm going to put my name on the back. I'm going to show up. You're going to hear them. I got the cowbell because all we need is a little more cowbell. And, and you're going to be hearing me in the stand. Go team, go team, go team. And the fan's great. But if that's all it is, here's the challenge. The fan's not on the field. The fan doesn't have any skin in the game. The fan gets to go home at the end of the day. Well, but when we move beyond these me mindsets to a we mindset, the lone ranger becomes a team player. The consumer becomes a contributor. And the fan becomes a follower. Those are we mindsets. I want us to, little, to understand a little bit more about the we that we're a part of, the body of Christ, and then what I need to do to make us a better we. So understand a little bit more about the we and what I need to do to make us a better we and hopefully move beyond these me mindsets. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So one of the things we need to know about this we is that we are a community of saints. We are a community of saints. Saints are not people who have their life completely together. Saints are not people who are perfect. Saints are not people who spend six to 10 hours a day in prayer. 
everyday common people who are in Christ, we are called saints. You and I are called saints. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, it's Old Testament language applied in a New Testament fashion, uh, Israel growing into the church. If the Jewish people submit to Christ as Lord and Savior, they're a part of the church, God's chosen people. When we Gentiles, non-Jew people, give our life to Christ and follow him, we're a part of the church. We're God's chosen people. We're holy and dearly loved. We are set apart because of Christ, because of what he did, and we are put into the position of saint. Male and female, old and young, rich and poor, Saint. We're a community of saints. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of anything that we've done well or anything that we've failed to do or done poor. But based on Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross, we are called God's holy, chosen, set-apart people, a.k.a. saints. And as a community of saints, redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? We shine God's light to each other, and to the world around us. We bring Christ to each other and to the world around us. We allow God to flow through us. There have been times when I have been overwhelmingly discouraged, and out of the blue, I get a text, I get a handwritten note, I might get a phone call, and I think to myself, how did they know? It was just the right time. And their words or their presence to me is what encourages me. There have been times where I have a few people in my life and they have seen me at my low and they have wept with me and they've shed tears with me and they've entered in as best they can to my pain and suffering. And guess what? They have become the love of God to me. Their sainthood showed up, and we get to be that for each other. That's not God's plan B. It's God's plan A. We are the main way that each other is to experience the presence of the living God. I'm all for sermons. I'm all for worshiping collectively and personally. I'm all for prayer and Bible study. I'm all for that. But the community, the redeemed community, the church, you and I are God's main vehicle for us to experience what it's like to be with God. 1 John 4, 8 says it like this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. I had so many questions when I read that, and we don't have time to, to get into my questions about it. I'm like, no one's ever seen God. What about Jesus? Like, you saw Jesus. And so you've seen God, and then like Moses saw God, I thought, and then Isaiah, and you know what I mean? So like, whatever. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This Chad paraphrase. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, everyone gets to see God. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other well, you and I get to see God. We're a community of saints. We are the visible and tangible experience of an invisible and intangible God. Hands and feet, voices, ears, tears, laughter, celebration. We are to each other 
Christ. And we need to know that because the second one is equally true and a little bit less fun to talk about. We are a community of saints, but we're also a community of sinners. You're like, no, 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 let's talk about the first one a little bit more. Okay, okay, here we go. We're also a community of sinners. We bring our blessings to the body, but we also bring our brokenness to the body. And this is really, really important. He says in, in Colossians 3 there, as God chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Bear with each other. If any of you has a grievance, forgive one another. Now, what is Paul getting at? He's saying that community is messy and you're going to get hurt. It's just going to happen. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's our identity as sinners. I would say it like this. Our identity, those of us in Christ, are saints, but functionally, we sin. I'm a saint who sins. You're a saint who sins. I can withhold kindness. I can armor up and refuse to be vulnerable with you. I got a pretty sharp tongue. I can use it to hurt or to gossip. And that hurts community because I'm a saint who sins. And we can hurt people. And this is very, very important for us to talk about because I've talked to so many church people who say something like this. I'm just so surprised that that happened to me by the church. I'm just so surprised that that happened to me in the church. And my heart breaks for those things. And the church leaders' hearts break for those things. And by God, we wish stuff like that would never happen. But the reality is this. It happens. Live long enough. Many of you have a story. I have stories. We are in a broken community, a redeemed community, but a broken community. In the early 1900s, the Times, the newspaper in London, put out a question to several prominent authors. And the question was this, what's wrong with the world today? What's wrong with the world today? I think we, we look outside and we're like, yeah, we're still asking that question. <laughs> and several authors took that and they wrote their articles and they crafted their words and they were very articulate and they sent it in and it got published in the London, in the, in London Times. G.K. Chesterton great Catholic thinker, he wrote back, they asked him, and he wrote back, and he said this in response to what's wrong with the world today. Dear sirs, I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Dear sirs, I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. You see, he understood that he was a saint who sins, and that he was a part, and he could be a part, of what's wrong with the world. He could also be a solution, and we can also be a solution, but we have to understand that people have, in my world, have been hurt by me. People have been hurt by you, and I want to say this. I don't, we're a community of sinners, so I want to say this, so don't be surprised. That's why he says, you've got to clothe yourselves with compassion. You've got to clothe yourself with humility. You've got to clothe yourself with forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing until you have to do it. And then it's excruciatingly painful. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, about community, says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. 
So once we free people up to be glorious ruins, image bearers who show us who God is, but also tell us the story of a broken and fallen world. Once we free them up from our expectations that they have to be perfect and it's going to be perfect and this whole thing's just going to only be good and it's only going to be positive. Once we free them up, then we can actually be in real community with them. Otherwise, we're going to violate them as image bearers and destroy the community or that community is going to destroy us because we put it too high on a pedestal. I was uh, looking over... There's a, a missionary in uh, Puerto Rico, and you have to say it like that. You do. And uh, his name is John White Jr., and he posted something this week, and I thought it was really great. And uh, he says this, deconstruction often starts from relational hurt, and people are deconstructing their faith today, but mostly it's deconstructing to say, you know, here's 10 reasons I don't want anything to do with Christianity, or here's 15 reasons I don't want anything to do with evangelicalism. And mostly it's not deconstruction, it's simply rejection. But he says this, and my argument is this, I don't know if it's simply an academic exercise. I think it's much deeper than that. And I agree with what he says. He says it often starts from relational hurt. A place of safety became injurious. A person of trust became deceptive. A group of warmth became calloused. A relationship of belonging became rejecting. And then he closes it out like this. Before we overthrow our beliefs, we need to unpack our pain. I think it's so true. Let's just broaden that. Before we overthrow that family, that job, that loved one, before we say, you know what? You're out. We need to unpack our pain. Before we overthrow Christianity or the church, we need to unpack our pain. We're a community of saints, so don't be surprised when God shows up in a face that you see every day. We're a community of sinners, so don't be surprised that we're going to experience hurt at the hands of those around us. We're also a community of individuals. I thought this was very profound, the way Paul does this. In verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. In a different translation, he says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Do you see what he's doing? He's inviting us to think well about the body. It's a both and situation. It's not an either or situation. And what he's saying is helpful to the church in the East because a church in the East often can go to the fault of elevating the community above the individual where your needs don't matter. Your wants don't matter. You've got to sacrifice for the greater good. You have to sacrifice for the community. And Paul balances that and said, no, no, no. We're individuals, a part of this community. But he also speaks to us in the West who grew up with this me mindset, this individualistic mindset that says it's all about me. And he says, no, no, no. You're a part of a body. You're a part of a community. And the more... I flourish in that community, the more that community flourishes. The more by God's grace I'm able to bring my best self to that day and that moment, the more that community flourishes. Put it something like this. As I go, so goes the body or the church. As the body goes, so goes the world. As I go, so goes the body. As the body goes, so goes the world. So the question for us is, am I playing my part, not perfectly, but well? Am I engaged? Am I 
present? Am I fully responsible for what I've been given? Am I a good steward? That's why the Bible talks so much about unity, about unity, about promoting the unity of the body. I, uh, I was playing in a flag football league. This was, I don't know, maybe a decade ago. So I was in my early 30s, and uh, I was with a bunch of other guys in their 30s and upper 30s, and so we were like the weekend warrior dudes, you know what I'm saying? Like, we had to stretch a lot before the game, and like, we needed Advil before the game started type of thing. And we, we show up to play this flag football game, and we got just t-shirts for jerseys, like most of them matched, you know what I mean? And then we have our, our, our shorts on, and we have cleats. Well, some of us did. Like, I think one guy had, like, softball cleats, like maybe even umpire cleats. And so we show up, and we're, we're getting ready for the game, and then we see our opponents, and our opponents show up, and they walk, get out of their cars. And I swear they had barely just graduated high school, and they had all played high school football. And I'm pretty sure they were sponsored. And they didn't need Advil before the game or after the game. Like, they were matching shoes to their you know, Under Armour leggings and their shorts. And you could see their biceps through their t-shirt, you know? And, 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 and they're, they're playing, they're throwing, they're warming up, and we're just like, guys, we're toast. Like, just, you know, get ready to just sit down in our lawn chairs afterwards. That's gonna be the victory. And we're looking at them. They're super athletic, and we, we think we don't have a prayer. And we get on the field, and we make a couple drives. We go down, they get the ball, and make a couple drives, and all of a sudden... One of the receivers, you know, drops a couple passes, and the quarterback makes a couple errant throws. So being the older but wiser people may be there, like hungry dogs, we thought, oh, there's a crack in the armor. Let's exploit it. So we start saying stuff to that receiver, like, doing okay today, Butterfingers? <laughs> we start saying stuff to the quarterback, like, I don't know if you should target him anymore. He can't handle it. And then all of a sudden, they start to fight against themselves. And the quarterback starts to get onto this receiver and the receiver starts to yell back at the quarterback and all of a sudden we had just set this thing up perfectly and pretty soon this team, I know it wasn't very nice, it was football. All of a sudden this team completely self-destructs and we win. And we win handily because this team, they could not stay united. And you know and I know a divided team is a defeated team. A divided body is a defeated body. We are invited to play our part in bringing unity and flourishing, to seek the flourishing of the other, and in doing so, I myself will flourish. We have membership classes here at Mount Horeb where we invite people to join Mount Horeb. And what we often do is we tell them about the ministry of the church, all the opportunities to be a part. But also what we do is there's a vow section where Pastor Jeff will, you know, invite people to uh, commit to being a participant, a responsible participant in this community. And they will often say, you know, I do or we do. And then towards the end of that membership class, everybody reads this section together. It says this, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We renew our covenant 
faithfully to participate, to show up, to bring our best selves that we can to that moment, to that day, to that study or small group. So what do we need to do? What are we being invited to, to contribute to a better we? And here's the reality. Here's how this thing works. The more I give to the we, the more I find myself a fulfilled me. The more I give to the we, how can I serve? How can I, what can I do to help? The more as a byproduct, I find a more fulfilled and joyful me. So here's some ways that we can give to the body. Be present. Be present. Be fully present. Many of you are joining us online and you're traveling this weekend, but you're tuning in and you're present. You have kids with sporting activities, but you're tuning in and you're present. We have people that join us online. They cannot get to a local church. They can't do it. You know, it's past their ability to drive uh, or they live far away from a local church that they really would like to hear from their teaching. There are shut-ins, whoever they may be, and you're joining us online or you're joining us in the traditional room and you're present. You're present. But yet there's some who have yet to come back who can come back, but maybe the Belgian waffles and the couch won. And I understand. But guess what? You need us. We need you. Someone here needs the Christ in you. Someone here needs the unique display of love that Christ has to offer through you. Christ is stronger in you, my brothers and sisters, than me, and we need each other. So for some, there's no good reason. For some, there's no good reason to stay away. And I invite you back to be present. We need you. Not for the glory of Mount Horeb. Not so we can feel really good, feels great preaching to a full room, absolutely, but not for that. As the membership vows say, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Not about my name or anyone else's name. It's not about Mount Horeb. It's about Jesus. Be present. Give generously. You're a generous church. Incredibly generous church. One of the more generous churches that I've been a part of. And I get to see that you have moved from consumer to contributor. And as a byproduct, people have houses, shelter, where they're protected from the summer heat. They're protected from the winter cold. People have clean water to drink and food to eat. Kids get care, physical and spiritual. That's a result of your generosity. So when you're giving, you're not just, you're not just you know, hitting proceed and check out. You're giving to God. You're, it's an act of worship. You're giving to eternal impact and lives are being changed. But maybe you're here and maybe you've been praying about giving and wrestling with it and you know God's been inviting you to give more, another percentage. I invite you to take that step. Serve passionately. Serve passionately. 
we have so many opportunities for you to play a part, for you to find your part. Kids ministries, youth ministries, special needs, adults. We have all sorts of opportunities for you to say, I want to show up and I want to be a giving part of this body. And maybe just maybe by doing so, someone else gets to grow up hearing about how much God loves them. Someone else gets to come to a small group or something like that and for the first time gets to experience what we talked about, this tangible love of God, that they might feel like they could belong and grow spiritually, serve passionately and grow spiritually. Sometimes it is about receiving. We need good teaching. We need good worship. We have great small groups. We have great classes, Sunday school classes. We have great Wednesday night programming with different opportunities to grow and a pastor's Bible study midweek. So you're coming and you're receiving. That's good. We want to give you opportunities to grow spiritually. John Allen, this is how he put it. We all have a part, a role to play. You matter in the health of this community. You matter in the health of this community. Whatever thou art, act well that part. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the gift of the body. It is a challenging endeavor at times, a messy endeavor at times, but it is beautiful. A redeemed community where we can experience your forgiveness and your acceptance. And we get to see and experience your love and your light. Father, I pray you would help each one of us. We're all different. Help each one of us identify our me mindsets that get in the way of a we mindset. Help us to starve that part of our me mindset and just move forward. Say, we are truly better together. Father, for some who have been hurt by the body, I pray for healing. I pray that you would give them wisdom on what to do with that pain, whether it's an honest, hard conversation, pursuing reconciliation, whether it's someone who's long gone, but it's a forgiving and a letting go of that hurt. Give them wisdom on what to do. And Father, mostly I pray that we would be a people who protect the unity of the body, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, celebrating each other, entering into each other's pain and celebrations so that the watching world just may see us and take notice and think to themselves, that's what a community of Christians looks like. Help us, we pray in Christ's name, amen.